We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 2, Episode 11, The Outsider. The air date for this episode was January 13th, 2013. The writers for this episode were Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg. <sighs> Collective disgruntled Marge noise. My favorite. The director for this episode was David Solomon. The title card features the Yagwai. We begin in Storybrooke, where Mr. Gold drives his car down the long, lonely lane and stops just short of the Storybrooke border. He pops open the trunk to reveal William Smee tied up inside. Smee begs him not to go through with this, but Mr. Gold reminds Smee that he was perfectly willing to allow the same fate happen to Belle. After Mr. Gold plops Smee down on the ground by the line, he takes Smee's red hat and asks him why he wears it so often. As Smee tells him that it was made by his grandmother and gives him good luck, Mr. Gold pours a potion over it. He puts the hat back on Smee's head and kicks him over the town line. Remarkably, Smee still retains his memories. Mr. Gold releases Smee, albeit still in cuffs, and says that he has a trip to plan. And so many floppy red hats to buy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's the red hat that makes it magic. (laughs) It is, though. It's, it is. It's the red. Yeah, mini. you can't you can't cross you can't cross state lines without a red hat. Oh, okay. So the potion had nothing to do with it. It was just the no red hat. Okay. Just making sure I understood the magic. The magic. Now you of- know. If you don't know, now you know. All right. I will run out and get myself a floppy red hat. So many. Case. You got to have a couple spares in the trunk. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Breeze blows it away. Mm-hmm. Presumably the next day, the people of Storybrooke gathered to lay to rest who they think is Archie Hopper. Mary Margaret gives a touching eulogy as the town residents console each other, saying he will always live on inside of them, reminding them to be their best selves. (laughs) A very ironic piece of advice that unfortunately (laughs) goes completely out the window in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The irony of that line made me laugh. I'm not (laughs) laughing because of humor. Marco then tenderly sets Archie's umbrella against his headstone and gives his old friend a personal goodbye. Pongo is making sad dog noises through this whole scene, and I can't. No sad dogs once upon a time. We know Archie is okay, but no sad dogs. We know the person who they buried isn't Archie, but is someone real and dead. So, like, has he been reported as a missing person yet? This poor storybook rando. Also the fish guy. That's just two missing people. You think our 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 co-sheriffs would have started to, to notice something yet? You know, red shirts never get any respect. Poor storybook randos. Meanwhile, in the hull of the Jolly Roger, Hook is interrogating the true Dr. Hopper. Hook asks him about the dagger, but Archie claims he knows nothing of a dagger, which Hook believes. He then asks the former cricket of Mr. Gold's weaknesses but Archie will not tell him. So Hook threatens him with physical violence. This scene, Red is very homoerotic. Yes, ma'am. Like, me and Elisa literally were like, are they gonna kiss? I know they're they're just, yeah, Hook just keeps getting his face right up next to Archie and like making real intense, half-lidded eye contact. Yeah, and then Archie's (laughs) searching in his eyes, trying to like find out what's going on. That like close look, the eyes back and forth when you're like searching and trying to read something in someone's face, like that reads as romance. Yeah, like I just, yeah, like Careless Whisper was gonna start blaring at any moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, sexy 80s sax. (laughs) He's terrifying, but also so handsome. Also, I'm really into it. Oh. <laughs> it's a trope, man. It. I'm sure somebody, somebody out there wrote a fic off of this scene. Oh, I'm sure. You, I'm sure it's know. on Archive of Our Own. It's out there. You know it is. Captain. Captain Cricket? Captain, Captain Cricket. Cricket. Where's yeah. our Captain, Captain Cricket strippers at? Captain Jiminy. <laughs> Jiminy Hook. No, I like Captain Cricket. I know. I just said the other one because it sounded stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But also, Hook, you fucking knob. You already knew about Belle. Remember? You harassed her earlier and killed that guard that Regina was all offended about because you didn't know his name. Remember? I fucking do. I'm just like, you already know, you stupid pretty man. (laughs) He's... He's handsome. He's not. But the he's smartest. not smart. 
No, he's pretty, Aww. not smart. It's a it's a trend. I don't think he actually knew knew that she was important to him. I assumed that he wouldn't have come to harass her otherwise. I think he just knew that she worked in the castle. And so therefore she was in proximity to him because the only narrative he would have heard was probably coming from her father, like in that land going, oh yeah, my daughter was, you know, taken by the dark one and blah, 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 blah. Like nobody knew that they had, you know, feelings blossoming other than Regina who, you know, just assumed. So I don't think that he ever thought that she was important, just that she was in proximity. I don't know. I got the feeling that he knew Mm. and that he just forgot. Because he's a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) We'll agree to disagree on this one. (laughs) Bell walks into Mr. Gold's shop to hear his big news. He tells her that he has developed a potion that when poured over the object he holds most dear will enable him to leave town so he can search for his son. Rumpel tells her the object he holds most dear is Balefire's shawl, the only thing that remains of his boy. That's sad. Bell asks if she may accompany him, but he replies that he only has enough magic left for one, and that this is a journey he must embark on his own. Understanding partner that she is, Bell embraces him. This girl is just too perfect. Back in the enchanted forest of the past, Bell is sitting in a pub chugging ale while a group of men discuss slaying a fearsome creature in a faraway land called the Yagwai. While she is there, she is approached by Dreamy, thanking her for her advice on love as he and Nova plan to run away together that night. Aw, buddy. Aw, so sad. Oh, buddy. So sad. Buddy. <laughs> Dreamy encourages Belle to go with the group of men on the adventure she has been dreaming of. But Belle says though she dreamt of heroics, the last time she faced a beast did not end up so well, and she is safer sticking with her books. Dreamy is insistent she takes a chance, and Belle relents. Before she leaves, Dreamy gives her a pouch of fairy dust, which Belle politely attempts to refuse based on her past experience. But Dreamy insists that she take it because fairy dust is used for good magic. I love that Dreamy's like, nah, you've only dealt with that dank weed. This is the good premium shit. Got it from Tom Bombadil himself. These two on the scene are very cute, honestly. I know, they're just hopeless romantics. Mm-hmm. In Storybrooke, Belle goes into the library where Hook is waiting for her. She recognized him as the man who broke into her cell at the evil queen's palace, the man who wants to kill Rumpelstiltskin. A fight ensues, and while Belle temporarily blocks him with a rack of books, Hook is up on his feet again quickly, and Belle traps herself in the elevator. She phones Mr. Gold for help, but the signal is broken up, and he cannot understand her clearly. We do get to see Hook temporarily with his true love, the floor. (laughs) We'll get to see it again later. We Mm. do. This is a big episode for Hook Explore people. (laughs) Back in the Enchanted Forest, Belle is traveling with a group of men from the pub to the far-off land to slay the Yagwai. Dude, these men suck. Yes, these men do suck. But I gotta note the glow up! Belle's adventuring outfit is top fucking tier. I love it so much. It's such a good look. While on their journey, the men tease her for reading. The book she is reading is in another language that contains information concerning the Yagwai. She tells them that the beast will be near a lake, which is a lie, and they kick her off the wagon and head to their false destination. Belle heads to the correct location of the creature, the mountains. She arrives at the cave illustrated in her book where the Yagwai resides. She reads that the Yagwai hibernates by day, so as it is daytime, she attempts to enter the cave to slay the creature. With a fucking knife. Girl, don't bring a knife to a monster fight. You're better than this. She is sheltered girl. She doesn't know any better. She reads. Yeah, that's the problem. She is too busy reading. Somewhere in the book, it's got to be like, you're going to need something bigger than a toothpick to fight this thing. (laughs) If it's telling, if it's getting down to like the particulars of here's where it is and here's where its sleeping patterns are, it probably in there has you know, some tips that don't lead you to believe that you want to just bring a butter knife to this ordeal. It's true. Like, come on, honey. You're the smart one. The beast is awakened when Belle accidentally steps on a wooden branch, alerting the creature. It comes charging out of its dwelling and a masked warrior attempts to shoot it with an arrow. However, the beast is not hit, but flees. Belle is left with the warrior who is revealed to be Mulan. 
Hell yeah. God damn, that Mulan is so hot right now. She's here. You're a lesbian warrior woman saving the day and every damsel within 50 leagues. Belle thanks Mulan for saving her life, but Mulan blames Belle for ruining her hunt. Mulan is upset because it had taken her weeks to find the Yagwai, but Belle responds that she found it in a day. Mulan believes that Belle was just lucky. However, Belle shows her the book and tells her she had used knowledge from it to track down the Yagwai. She offers to help Mulan find the beast again, but Mulan rejects her offer and tells her to stay out of her way. Even that was like so hot. <laughs> it really was. I just like, oh, she's so forceful. <laughs> in Storybrooke, Belle is still trapped in the elevator in the library when she is rescued by Mr. Gold, whose arms Belle flies into in relief. Gold wraps his coat around her and reassures Belle that she has nothing to fear now. Hook has since fled the scene. Meanwhile, at the charming loft, Emma tries to offer food to a despondent Henry, but he is not interested. Emma discusses Henry's sadness with Mary Margaret. I'd like to point out that in this scene, there are now curtains that can partition off Mary Margaret's bed that weren't there in the last episode, which implies that Emma was like, we're putting up some fucking curtains because I cannot go through this shit again. <laughs> I noticed them, and I also noted there's like barn doors there was definitely now a door that you could roll across to. yeah like emma was <laughs> like no no no, no, no. no. <laughs> probably that night after the taco she's just like i'm gonna go get the biggest piece of wood i can find she just like <laughs> went she she just immediately drove to lowe's and just was all like why the hell out of this? lowe's fuck that she's got a chainsaw she probably went out that's into true the she just went into the forest hacked down trees brought them back <laughs> just mountain manned the whole thing and was like you like rustic don't you <laughs> shabby chic that's your thing right <laughs> i made sure to match your aesthetic mom now shut the goddamn door <laughs> close the curtains too i need every, layers every layers. buffer counts <laughs> residents of storybrook are in the loft to mourn archie leroy announces that the dwarves have been considering a return to their home the enchanted forest emma retorts that she and mary margaret have fought to return from the enchanted forest but leroy is still concerned about regina's unknown location he's also concerned about the outside world coming into storybrook Ruby agrees, as she will not be well-received by the outside world when she transitions into her wolf form. Leroy concludes his argument by saying they want to return home simply because they are homesick. I love that he is literally like, we may enjoy things like penicillin, but we're homesick. I'm just like, dude, I will take modern medicine over your homesickness any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm allergic to penicillin and I feel like that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, my lord, I, I, take, I take medication. <laughs> you don't have enchanted pharmacies. You have Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> and that's, I mean, as much as I love him, I really don't want to be that indebted to him. There's no antihistamines in the enchanted forest. Mm -mm. I need Benadryl. Yeah. As Mr. Golden Bell head towards his shop, Rumpel reassures Bell that he has several powerful items in his shop that will keep Hook from ever harming her again. Bell insists that they go to Emma instead saying that Rumpel is so close to finding his son and should not let the pirate's present distract him from that. Belle then demands to know of Rumpel's history with Hook, seeing as the pirate is hell-bent on attacking her. Reluctantly, Mr. Gold tells Belle a very abridged version about his history with Hook, but hmm, fails to include the detail that he is personally responsible for Mila's death. Oh, Rumpel. Why? I mean, okay, you're in the road. Not an ideal time and place to explain that Mila left you and Anne Bay for a hot pirate and you murdered her in retribution, but ugh, look at Belle. Look at her. She is such a wonderful woman and you are sinking into trash habits again. Ugh. Yeah, honestly, this scene makes me pretty livid. Like... Him just continuing to gaslight her and just be utterly shitty. Like, you you murdered your fucking wife. You murdered her. You have no right to play the victim card. I know you don't want to look bad in front of your girlfriend, but seriously, fuck you, man. Stop lying to this girl. Yeah, it's awful. Belle deserves so much better than to be lied to like this. And Mila deserved to not 
have been murdered by her husband and uh, i'll be mad about that plot choice forever because it was super shitty because it was super shitty it was super shitty like had they been on like an even playing field and actively like battling or fighting in some way and he just happened to be the victor okay right but like they weren't (laughs) like at all total power imbalance she was she was just a lady yeah she was just a human woman and you know he is the fucking dark one yeah he has the entirety of dark magic at his disposal and she's just like a hot pirate girl also as you said lynn and i kind of want to piggyback off this you said that like you know you don't want to look bad in front of your girlfriend but i'm just like she knows you've done shitty things it's like like she's not she's not new yeah she's exactly she is not new she knows you have done some really horrible, horrible shit. And yeah. it is up to her as an adult woman to decide where her line will be drawn. Not up to you to draw that line for her. And plus, like, you know she'll find out at some point. Do you not think it'll be way worse when she finds out from someone else, not only that you did this, but that you actively tried to cover it up to her? Right. Well, like, that's gonna <laughs> well, be worse well one would think wouldn't they lynn let's continue on yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) if this was written by capable people yeah it would be worse for her to find out that way yep mr golden bell arrive at his shop to find it has been ransacked attacking bell was a distraction technique to get mr gold out of his store hook and smee are watching from afar on another rooftop hook is holding bellfire shawl stating that now mr gold is trapped in storybrook Oh boy. Back in his shop, Mr. Gold is taking out his anger on some of the items there by beating them with his cane of feels. Again, big, mad, smashy feels. Bell pleads with him to stop and he switches gears very abruptly, stating he will retrieve what is his. When Bell expresses her desire to help, he says that, that this is his fight, but Bell weirdly thinks this whole situation is somehow her fault because Hook duped them to get the shawl. Rumple continues to be sassy and thoroughly unhelpful, but Belle dishes it out back at him and Lord, we all wish Archie can get untied because these two need couples therapy very badly. (sighs) Mr. Gold bids her to go to the library, lock the door and wait for him to sort this mess out. Belle then sarcastically theorizes that if she does not comply with his wishes, Rumple will cast a spell on her. (sighs) These two have so much unresolved trauma and trust issues. Like, my babies need an enchanted therapist. So, like, dude just went straight to smashing his possessions again. Like, chill. Always at the smashing. Every time. Every time the cane of feels comes out to play. Temper tantrum. And Mr. Golden says he trusts that she will do as he wishes as she trusts him to be a better man. Three cheers for the rampant misogyny in this episode. Good job. Once again, Chambliss and Goldberg, you are never tone deaf at all. The tone of this scene is wild. Like, is he being sarcastic as he is yelling that he trusts her? I have so many conflicting emotions just because of like the very rapid, messy way that like these lines are thrown around and i'm like okay i hear the words coming out of your mouth but your mouth is saying one thing but your tone is saying another and your actions are doing another thing and and it's just it's just like this perfect storm of really fucking bad writing (laughs) it's not it's not good at all just go back to the part in the scene where bell's like it's my fault no it's not it's not your no, fault. No, it's not. And 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 I'm like, how? What? No. How Why is would anything you... right now your fault? Right. And I've never like, I mean, up to this point, I've never seen Belle to be like that. No. No, it was not super not out of Belle. character. I know. I was like, Belle's not a like. She's a very pragmatic person. Yeah. Like she thinks very logically. And even as he's being a little Tasmanian devil around his store. Like, I just, I just don't feel like Belle would ever go. This is my fault. No, it was, it was, it was insanely out of character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was once again, them writing characters that they think they understand and they don't. 
Right, exactly. It's like you can actually see like the the cartoon thought bubble over them. Like, hmm, what would a woman say? Yeah. <laughs> How well, do well, girls women, work? Women yeah. are They're so, so weird, selfless, yeah. and and they just take the burdens of the world on. And I'm like, no. See, like this is like a young snow kind of thing because young snow has been blamed felt that guilt from Daniel and she was 10 and because she was 10 right exactly so she was a child Mm -hmm. well like compare this to Belle in skin deep skin deep you know a Jane Espenson episode Mm -hmm. that Belle would not have reacted this way like she would not have been like oh it's my fault no not at all oh no because like I mean she stood her ground in that cell when she left Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. she was just Mm -hmm. like no. She can draw her lines, which yeah. Belle never does in this episode. No. 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 She Ugh. just kind of lets Rumple just like bowl over her for the whole episode. And Rumple is like so wildly like all over the place. Like his lines don't make fucking sense to me. And I'm just like, what? So I don't, I don't, I don't fucking, I just, ugh, I hate, I hate it. I hate it. Thanks. I yeah. hate it. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I think that's honestly. That's honestly the sum up. It's just, I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. All right, I'm, I'm continuing on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gold continues to say that Hook may have cost him the chance to find Balefire, and he does not want to lose Belle as well. On the off chance that Hook goes after Belle again, Rumple gives her a gun to protect herself. Jesus, buddy. <laughs> Do not just pick that thing up and hold the shooty end towards her. Also, Point here, pull the trigger here, does not a gun lesson make. There's seriously a lot more to it than that. Like, I know your fairy tale characters, but Jesus, some fucking gun safety would be great. She just then tramps around with it just like hanging. Like, yeah, she walks around just visibly armed for the rest of the episode. <laughs> You're like, like she does hell? nothing to try and disguise it. She just walks oh. around clutching it in her hand with her finger on the trigger for the rest of the fucking episode i know god i'm i'm so glad like no innocent fisherman red shirt just pops out and is like have you heard the good word about gordon's fisherman and she just, and just startles her and, startles she goes, her. and shoots him. <laughs> yeah. like this is definitely another one of the like man i love emma and charming but the law enforcement in this town is wanting yeah. there's just a there's just an armed woman stamping through the entire town and no one is doing shit yeah. her fucking wedges yeah <laughs> it's like oh real real great real great police force we have here in storybook well while you're putting up doors and curtains yeah <laughs> emma Emma, your your delayed childhood trauma can wait. <laughs> your, your your fucking librarian is <laughs> roaming around. Yeah, we've got is at large. two missing people. Your librarian well, is at large. The gun. <laughs> she has no idea how to use a boomstick. She is a primitive screwhead by all means and purposes, yeah. and I mean that with all the love in my heart that I have for Belle. But <laughs> she has never like held a gun in her life no she is a literal menace right now <laughs> by this point we have three missing people yeah uh, three missing me. people and an armed woman <laughs> and an armed librarian an armed librarian at large fisherman a rando it's me <sighs> armed librarian how much crime does this town need before <laughs> before charming and emma put down their coffee mugs and go ah oh, fuck maybe we should do something <laughs> As Mr. Gold leaves, Belle briefly stops him, asking him to promise that going after Hook is only about retrieving the shawl. Somehow, Palpatine returned. (laughs) Oh my fucking God. I mean, the look that Mr. Gold casts her as he wordlessly fucking leaves the store says it all. (laughs) Like, of course this is about other shit. Ma'am, do you even know me? It almost always ends with beating someone to death with his cane. I mean, he's not Rumpelstiltskin if he's not gaslight gatekeep girl bossing 24-7, am I right? (laughs) That reminds me of, there was a post and it was just like, Regina and Rumpelstiltskin have the same haircut in season two. Wait, why did that remind you of it? Because girl boss? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back in the enchanted forest, Bella's pulling up a bucket from a well when she is attacked by the men she misguided to the lake. She is being forced headfirst into a well when Mulan arrives and lassos one fuckface around the neck and yanks him back onto the ground. She fights the men off with ease. It's honestly unfair how hot Mulan is. I love when she just punches the man out that she already has pinned to the ground. So good. It's really sexy. It's really, (laughs) it is so hot. It's kind of, it's like, I know I told you to stay away, but you're still my girl. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, still gonna like pro- a, I'm still gonna protect a lady yeah needed like a wink at the end of it i know it's just unreasonable unreasonably attractive bell thanks mulan who shares that when she was in the emperor's army there was plenty of men who think women have no business holding a sword in the scuffle however mulan has been wounded but tis but a scratch she notes that the sun will set soon and says that she and bell should prepare to hunt the yagwai once again Belle is confused by her inclusion in the quest, but Mulan replies that her tracking skills are far greater than her own. The plan is that Belle will track down the beast and Mulan will kill it. Uh, Mulan is always here to rescue pretty ladies when men fall short. Which, in Once Upon a Time, is constantly. 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 The only constant is that they can always be counted on to be a disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> Even Charming has had one or two off days. He is- has. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when he was just cursed, David. Yeah, yeah. when no, he, he was, was just cursed, off David. days. When he was cursed, David, he was one long off day. <laughs> that it was just like, how is Charming so good and you are so terrible? At the Storybrook Library, Belle is cleaning up the mess made in the scuffle and comes across a knotted rope. She looks up a nautical guide to discover it is a monkey fist knot and realizes that Hook came to Storybrooke by ship. Meanwhile, Smee is walking down the street when he is placed into the magical chokehold by Mr. Gold. He uses his magic to pin him to the wall and asks him for his shawl back. Smee confesses that he gave it to Hook. Mr. Gold calls him a rat before transforming him into one. He's much cuter now. He is. (laughs) And he scurries away. Cutely. Yes. <laughs> that was a very cute rat. I was just like, oh, oh. he's a little guy. He, he should go join the rats of them. <laughs> Armed and dangerous, <laughs> <laughs> but looking absolutely stunning. Belle reaches the Storybrook docks and notices that a seagull appears to be perched on something invisible. She throws sand on the dock and this reveals the outline of Hook's gangplank. Belle is very clever to figure out the boat, but that first shot of her just walking down the dock. Great. Fucking gun in her hand is so (laughs) surreal. Like the gun itself was just a weird choice for this episode. And I think it's supposed to represent the danger of the land without magic. Yes. um, Which does tie into the, like the fears exposed by, by Ruby and the dwarfs earlier. So I guess well done with that metaphor, at least, I guess. I guess, but still we get librarian at large. (laughs) Librarian at large. (laughs) Belle walks up the steps of the gangplank and walks through Cora's spell. While exploring inside the ship, she hears cries for help. She finds Archie and uses a sword to cut him free. At Belle's instructions, Archie leaves to find Mr. Gold. Yay, Archie is free! I do do enjoy that, like, he kind of has a, like, what about you? And she's like, go! And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. I am am glad, because I feel like things go better for him because he does just be like, She's a smart lady and I'm going to listen to her. Mm -hmm. I do love that she ignores her own advice of going to Emma, the sheriff, to get her involved. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, (laughs) I feel like the writers forgot that Belle is smart. That's how I felt watching this episode. Yes, yeah. I I 100% agree. Straight up forgot that she is smart because they keep making her do things that I'm like, she wouldn't do that. She's too smart for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like they write women like, them. especially like if they're girlfriends, if they're like a significant other, they're like, oh, the old battle axe. 
Yeah. And like she got away for her man to come help her out with it. She can't do it by herself. She's just a little lady. She's gonna try to do it by herself, but or, she's not gonna she's not gonna do a good job at it because she's just a little lady. Because she's just a little lady. She needs her she needs her big man come help her. Meanwhile, at the loft, Henry is on the phone and Mary Margaret picks up another phone to learn that he is calling Archie's answering machine. It's very sweet, although that teeny tiny loft having two phones is hilarious because he is exactly 20 feet away (laughs) from this open floor plan. But I really want to know how long has it been since you two had a landline? We only officially cut ties with ours this year when we moved. We have a landline. We don't use it. And no one has the phone number. Like, I don't even know the phone number. But it has a fancy, really antique looking phone hookup to it because a landline came for free when we set up the internet. Yeah, I have the number. And I it's, know. Our, it's our first land I no my first landline like 10 years. Oh wow. Yeah. We we had we had one two houses ago. We at had the very beginning. Phone. No, we had a landline when we first, we moved, first in. moved in. And then we were like after I think like the first year that we lived there, we were like why the fuck are we paying for a landline? We never use it and no one calls it. But you did so then we just phone. still had the phone. I don't know what we were doing, but we're hanging out one day and we were bored. And I said, I have this white phone. Do you want to paint it? Yeah, we painted it green with daisies on it. Yeah. Oh, cute. I had a gorgeous antique phone. It was frou-frou, gilded, floral, everything. My, It was my aunt's and I begged her for it and she gave it to me. And I think in my great bed bug purge of 2019, mm-hmm. I, I ended up donating it. David and Mary Margaret are consoling Henry when Emma walks in with good boy Pongo, who she received from Marco after telling him how much Henry loves the dog. Henry takes Pongo outside to clean him up. Sorry your buddy died. Have a traumatized dog instead. Also, get those muddy paws off the bed, you heathen. (laughs) I know. I was like, oh no, muddy paws on the white bedspread. Like it's the first thing he does is jump right up on Mary Margaret's like pristine white antique bedspread. Like, (laughs) Pongo is a good boy, and I'm very happy he's here. But Muddy Paws on the bed. Also, should we not have talked to Mary Margaret first? It's her house. Like, she's an angel, and she loves animals. She'll obviously say yes, but, like, just ask first. Please, don't assume. I used to hear horror stories all the time about my mom bringing home, like, all sorts of animals, like, when she was a kid. Like, <laughs> just like, look, I found this rabbit. <laughs> yeah, that was my mom, too. They had, they had like, a literal zoo. Also, what happened uh, to Henry's horse? Oh, he can't fit in the law. God, what happened to Henry's horse? <laughs> I think Henry might be traumatized about horses after he spent one day with one and then one was attacked by a zombie. Mm. I mean, that's fair, but who's taking care of that horse? The like, Charming gave him that whole spiel about like responsibility and all that. And, exactly. Like, your duty. And Henry was like, oh yeah, my duty. I'll have it for 12 hours and then never do it again. <laughs> I mean, no one even taught him how to actually take care of that horse, so. I know. I don't know. I guess they're like, you're Snow White's grandson. Being good with animals has just got to be in your DNA. (laughs) Just like sing. (laughs) After Henry goes outside, Emma, Mary, Margaret, and David discuss the idea of Mary, Margaret, and David getting their own place. I love that it's like lone wolf Emma who is like, you want to move out? But why? We are family. She's going to miss her mom best friend so much. I know. Probably just all don't want an incident like last week again. Yeah, that's the, the real reason they're moving out is Snow, the, Snow so wants alone time with her hot, hot husband yeah. and not to be like, my daughter and grandson might just come in at any moment. I know there's a barn door now, but still. I mean, theoretically, they could get like one big house and share it and they have like their own little like, you know, wing. But I think, yeah, they're talking about just being alone. I mean, it's been in their defense. It's been 28 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no defense necessary. <laughs> Aboard the Jolly Roger, Bell searches for Bell Fireshaw. Captain Hook appears in the doorway of the cabin Bell is in with the garment. Bell has laid the gun aside. <sighs> And they both lunge for it, but Hook is faster than her. He aims the gun at her forehead. I mean, Hook is faster than her, but he also has just longer limbs. (laughs) And can actually probably use the fucking thing because he knows how muskets work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. He knows how pistol, he's got a pirate pistol, I'm sure. He's got more, he's got more of a working knowledge than like, something goes bang if I touch this. Yeah. Or or so I've been told. (laughs) Or so I have been told. 
I definitely now have a certain song from Chicago stuck in my head. <laughs> then they both reached for the gun. Yes. <laughs> That's fair. Back in the enchanted forest of the past, Belle and Mulan are walking in the woods when Mulan's wound on her leg becomes too painful to continue. Mulan charges Belle with the task of slaying the Yagwai. Belle doubts her capabilities, but Mulan praises her instincts and tracking skills. Mulan gives Belle her sword and tells her not to be afraid. We flash forward to present day on the Jolly Roger. Belle tells Hook that she is not afraid of him and that she is not leaving without the shawl. Hook admires Belle's loyalty, but says that Rumpelstiltskin is a lost cause and claims that keeping gold from his son would be doing the boy a favor. Have you not hurt Rumple enough? Belle asks, prompting Hook to elaborate more on the details of his relationship with Rumpelstiltskin and Mila. He tells her that Mila came willingly to him out of love and that Rumpelstiltskin killed her by ripping her heart out before his very eyes. I mean, he's not wrong. No, not at all. I mean, those are the facts. That's what (laughs) happened. He tells her he would have burnt the shawl, but did not because Mila had made it. He asks her why she is fighting for a man like Mr. Gold, and she says because she still sees good in his heart and tells Hook that his heart is rotten. She then jabs him in the face with a metal pole hanging from the ceiling, grabs the shawl, and runs out of the cabin. Damn, he really does end up on the floor a lot. He do. Belle runs across the deck and is about to escape, but Hook has beaten her there as he knows his own ship like the back of his, well, you get the idea. He still has one. Yeah, exactly. Which is what I shouted during the episode when he did that line too. He's like, well, the back of a looks at his hook and I'm like, you still have one. You don't have two hooks. Come on. He demands the shawl back when Mr. Gold appears and begins to subject Hook to a thorough beatdown with his cane and Miss Please from Belle to stop. Always with the cane beaten. Fucking brutal. I like, I have a hard time actually watching the cane scenes. I'm sensitive. <laughs> you are sensitive. I mean, they don't call it the cane of feels for nothing. Do they actually call it that? In the fandom? Yeah. Oh, I did not know this. Mm-hmm. It's the cane of beaten men, the bloody pulp. That's not as catchy. No. no. <laughs> nice try, though. Back in the enchanted forest, Bella's standing in the middle of a field where the Yagwai is roaming a distance away. She flails her arms to make her attention known, and the beast charges. She runs into the village, and the creature pursues her. When the Yagwai is about to attack, she uses her sword to break open the water pipes above her head, and the wider douses the flames encircling the Yagwai's head. The defeated monster is writing something in the sand, and Belle notices that it says, Save me, in the language from her book, which is Chinese. She takes out the fairy dust Dreamy has given her and sprinkles it over the being, who was revealed to be Prince Philip. Hey. He looks so soft and handsome. And damp. And damp. Very damp. He looks so damp and handsome. <laughs> damp, handsome. <laughs> but Philip tells her that he has been cursed by the evil sorceress Melissaphant, who turned him into the Yagwai and banished him to a far off land to keep him apart from Aurora. He says he has tried to tell the villagers his true nature, but had been unable to communicate effectively with them. He asks Belle what she would like in return, and she says she needs help transporting the injured Mulan back to the village. Belle's flashbacks this episode is really just her reminiscing about all these lovely noble people she has met before, like Mulan and Philip, even Dreamy. And then she's just like, they were so pretty, had such supportive vibes, wonder what they're doing now. Oh, Belle, you deserve the world. I'm sorry how often this show does you dirty. Amen. It does like to just shit all over this poor woman. It really does. Like, I stand by my, this girl cannot get a fucking break. No. In present day Storybrooke, Mr. Gold continues to assault Killian, who laughs on and eggs the Dark One to kill him. Belle tells Mr. Gold that Hook wants to destroy every little bit of good remaining in him. Hook's remarks about being reunited with Mila and death make Mr. Gold want to kill Hook even more, but Belle gets through to him at last. Reluctantly, Gold backs off and orders Hook to sail away as he never wants to see him again. Mr. Gold and Belle then leave the ship. Meanwhile, Mary, Margaret, and David continue to discuss the idea of purchasing their own home. Mary, Margaret is very keen on the idea, but David wishes to return to the Enchanted Forest. Mary, Margaret argues that it will not be like returning as if they had never left. She tells him things are different now, with Korra in power and the ogres ravaging the land. He just sees this as more reason to go back to their home world, so they can fight to return things to how they should be. 
but Mary Margaret is tired of fighting. She tells him they have a chance to stop fighting and be together in peace with a fresh start. Isn't it worth fighting for what we really want? David asks, to which Mary Margaret counters, unless we don't want the same thing. All of the relationships in this town are just going to hell in a handbasket. Archie, quick, make your presence known and open your appointment books. This scene frustrates me. I don't like that shows consistently have this really dumb trend of being like, oh no, if we have a couple with an established healthy relationship, that's boring. We need to throw in conflict. And it's like, you don't. People can have healthy relationships. It's fine. I promise it's not going to compromise how much I enjoy watching your show if you have two people that just consistently like each other for the whole damn thing. I don't even remember this feud happening. Like, it came out of nowhere for me. I was like, I don't remember them having this disagreement at all. And I, I don't remember how long it's going to go on for now. I mean, it's a, it's a testament to these two writers being schlocky, honestly, that they're like, we got to do the thing that every show does and be like, oh no, the couple that's like rock steady has to have some big blowout. Otherwise it's boring. People don't ever have healthy relationships. They got to fight all the time. And it's not even like a big blowout, but like it could potentially lead to one. It's like planting the seeds. Yeah, to have like exactly. Some big discord between them. And it's mm-hmm. like, just don't, just let yeah. them be happy. It's fine. Like they've, they've had enough boiled in conflict like surrounding them without you making them fight each other yeah like it's not like they've had an easy time of it to get to this point and they haven't even been to this point for that long you don't need to like be like oh no they've had like two whole episodes where life's just been good for them and so charming wanted to to go go kill things (laughs) back to the enchanted forest doesn't even make sense to me because like everything he has is here yeah like prior to this all he really wanted to do was nest yeah. Like he's been in full nest mode up until this exact moment where yeah. out of nowhere he's like, no, we gotta go back. We gotta fight things. And Snow's like, Snow's the only reasonable one in this. Scene, I know she's honestly. all she's all like, Are you high? <laughs> like I I honestly understood her being like, but that's all we've been doing. I'm tired. We don't need to do in, that anymore. In, the, in literally the last episode. As yeah. he was giving that cheer, that toast at her, like their welcome home party, yeah. he's like, he's like, can we not find each other? Like, take a break from finding each other. Like, yeah, he like wanted- his whole speech was just about how happy he is that like that shit's over with, and that they just get to like be normal and domestic now without having everything be a struggle twenty four seven. Yeah, this is two days later. Two days yeah. later, he's like, I miss struggling 24-7. <laughs> I'm bored. I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> what, who, who am I if I'm not just unhappy and someone's trying to kill me all the time? <laughs> In the loft, Henry is drawing blueprints for the apartment when his grandparents move out. <laughs> I think that's hilarious and cute. It's, uh, and so, like, it's, if Henry weren't so cute, it'd be tacky. Of course. I mean, but yeah, it's a child. It's like, I mean, he's a child. It's like they haven't even for sure decided they're going to move out. And he's just like, when they're gone, here's how we're renovating everything, Emma. And she's <laughs> <Yeah>. like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he even goes so far as to mark Mary Margaret's former space as an armory to protect them from Regina, which is just so sad. Like, she's not even gone yet, man. Yeah, exactly. She's... And he's all like, Grandma's moving out, and we're going to put weapons in her bedroom. And Emma's <laughs> like, Oh my God, oh, no. no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Bongo begins to act strangely, and there is a knock at the door. When Emma opens the door, Archie is there. Yay! Yay, Archie! Hey, it's Archie, who did not die. <laughs> who did not die. <laughs> Emma and Henry are both thrilled and surprised to see him as they believed him to be dead. Archie is quick to tell them that Cora is the culprit who kidnapped him. They realize that they were wrong in accusing Regina for the murder and that they should find her ASAP. Also, him and Henry are in little matching vests in this scene, and it's really cute. Yeah, this scene warmed my heart. I liked this scene. This this is, I guess, the storybook scene I liked. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the storybook scene I liked. Yeah, could you? Yeah, he's probably like, oh, look, we like we match. He's like, yeah, I wore it to your funeral. He's like, my what? I my put what? on this outfit because <laughs> I thought you were, you were dead. dead. <laughs> it's like, wait, you guys already buried me? Did you not even look for me? They're like, you were dead. And he's like, oh. Her body's oh. in the ground. What? what? <laughs> Maybe Archie at least will be the one to be like, 
dude, maybe we should figure out what that actually <laughs> that is. is. We're gonna have to As zoom I'm totally alive. Yeah. <laughs> Who did you bury? <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't like immediately think like that he was magic because they clearly buried him. Yeah. My theory on why they didn't have like a get back imposter moment was because Pongo. Pongo. Yeah. Pongo. Yeah. And if it wasn't really Archie, Pongo wouldn't have been like flipping out at the door being like my person's out there right because animals are smart this is true so that that was my theory on why they were like oh shit it is archie yeah yeah okay that makes Pongo sense knows yeah he's the best boy he is best boy that night mr golden bell drive up to the town line rumple thanks her for going after hook as without her he would not have the shawl or a way to find his son he asks her why after learning even more terrifying things about his past she has not given up on him because that D is too damn good. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. Bell is an unrelenting <laughs> monster fucker, and we and 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 I just I have to I have to throw humor in somewhere because this this episode is just terrifyingly depressing. Baby, you do what you need to do. Thank you. <laughs> you 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 stand your monster fucker queen. I will. We, you, we, this is a judgment free zone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> I know. We don't judge each other. We judge the show. Yeah, we there still... we go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. In truth, Belle replies that she has learned that when one finds something worth fighting for, one never gives up. I've, I find it very surprising that they don't really have Belle deal with the information that Rumpelstiltskin killed his wife by ripping into her chest and crushing her heart. Like, even though she loves him... I would think that's something you you need to process for a while. Like, it should at least give you pause. Well, Bell, have more self preservation than you have shown this episode. Yeah. I. Now we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get, get into, into it. it. We'll, we'll get, get into, into it. it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Let's just get through it. <laughs> Back in the enchanted forest, Bell and Prince Philip are walking through the forest to reunite with Mulan. Belle tells Mulan that she has defeated the Yagwai, and she and Philip explain that Philip was the Yagwai. I love that Mulan gives Philip the stank eye before asking, who are you? Like, who are you? And why are you ruining it for me and my hot new girlfriend? Bless Philip, but he literally exists to salt Mulan's game. <laughs> like, does. Prince Philip of Cock Blockington is here. At least he's pretty. Mulan has a type. <laughs> Like look at look at Belle and oh she and loves Aurora. her big eyed she loves her big, big eyed, eyed brunettes brunettes mm-hmm. 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 that's it's very a thing for her she's very much about her big eyed brunettes mm-hmm. Belle tells Mulan that she will not be joining her on her next adventure as she has another beast to face she returns Mulan's sword and says her farewells <laughs> Belle walks up a hill in the forest and overlooks the valley towards the mountains which we assume houses the dark castle. Belle declares to an imaginary rumple that she is coming back when she is suddenly stopped by the evil queen. The queen has found her by using information from the men with whom Belle has traveled to that land. The main bully and queen's informant being Claude! Claude! It's fucking Claude! Claude, you asshole! I'm glad now that Hook killed you. (laughs) I didn't even put that together. Yeah. That's hilarious. I was like... (gasps) It's full circle. Oh. It's the same actor too. Like totally same actor. Everything. I mean, it's a little funny that she was all that she gave him a job after that. Yeah. She was like, you reward job. Job. You gonna hang up like a smarmy piece of shit. Do you want to be a guard in a stupid hat? Yeah. I mean, I can actually like see now her and like Claude getting along. Like he yeah. likes to fucking read. Ah, ha, ha, ha. You know, they just, they're just like mean. Oh my god, that's why they became friends. It's her open campaign against literacy. Oh my god. Oh my god, you are totally the Charlie Day meme with like the conspiracy theory. <laughs> Multiple seasons, me pulling my little freaking red cord from point to point. <laughs> be like it all comes back to her open campaign against literacy it all comes down to you claude <laughs> so of course of course of course she hates Belle. no wonder she who, kept who else for hates years. reading as much as she does and who else oh, loves like reading books? as much as henry bell <gasps> it's true it goes all the way to the top <laughs> We all need to wear tinfoil hats at some point and take a photo. 
We're just gonna look like that scene from Signs. <laughs> yeah. where they're all just sitting in the living room with their tinfoil hats on. <laughs> Belle is dragged towards an armored carriage, pleading to be given another chance to break Rumpelstiltskin's curse. Regina is unsympathetic, saying Belle had her chance and she is sparing Belle a lifetime of pain and misery. Belle declares that the queen cannot keep her and Rumpelstiltskin apart, that she will never stop fighting for him. Back at the Storybrook border, Mr. Gold pours the potion over Balefire's shawl and Belle places it over his shoulders. He then crosses the town line with his memories intact. He is now able to find his son. Belle promises that he will indeed find his son and that she will be in Storybrook waiting for Mr. Gold to return. I do have to say, this is like the only in-character moment between these two. Yeah. They're pretty. They're, they're very gentle with each other. For the rest of this episode, this is the yeah. only time it actually felt normal. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because she's like, "I wish I could go with you," and he's genuinely like, "Sorry that like she can't come with them." You yeah, know? and I feel like this episode would have would have followed the last episode with like, "Oh, she came and she brought him a picnic basket," and they're yes, working to this get to is know each other exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like, this is the couple from that scene. Absolutely. Definitely not the couple that just went through what they went through and learned what they just learned. No, No. not at all. Not at all. That was like spicy food induced fever dream fucking version of Rumble. I don't even know. Anyway, the couple bend towards each other in a kiss over the town line when a shot rings out. Hook, armed with Rumpelstiltskin's gun, has shot Belle in the back. She falls over the border, thus losing her memories. Rumpelstiltskin is horrified as he eases her down onto the ground, his hand covered in her blood. A panic-stricken Belle is bewildered and does not recognize her own name, let alone Rumpelstiltskin. Mr. Gold exclaims that what has happened cannot be undone, and Hook retorts that Mr. Gold finally knows how he feels. He opens his arms in preparation to receive Rumpelstiltskin's wrath. As Mr. Gold prepares a ball of fire to lunge at Hook, a car barrels down the road forcing Rumpel to abandon his magic and roll himself with Belle out of the way. The car hits Hook, flipping him onto the windshield before hurling him into the road and crashing into the embankment. Mr. Gold stares in wonderstruck terror at the license plate. The car is from Pennsylvania, meaning that an outsider has entered Storybrooke. End credits. Chambliss and Goldberg can't be trusted to treat their female characters right, and they can't be trusted with Hook, and they can't be trusted with most things can they just not like i don't think i've seen a single one of the episodes that they co-wrote that i haven't found just like really offensive like the levels of toxic masculinity in this episode are horrifying frankly this episode is it's interesting because like it's about the repercussions of rumpelstiltskin's unforgivable act but it's not handled in a manner I would have wanted to see. I would have wanted to see Belle learn the truth and process it and and what comes next. And that being done over a multiple episode arc because something of the gravity of learning that Rumpelstiltskin killed his own wife deserved that. But instead that information is glazed over and it's, it's only a, about like the violence of these two men's revenge on each other. That is what the focus is here now. And Belle's storybook plot isn't to confront the beast and then understand it like she does with Philip in the flashback. Instead, she simply forgives the beast and doesn't really address it. Mm-hmm. It, it should have been discussed at length. <clears throat> there should have been a path to confronting that ugliness and working past it to be better. But instead, we have a quick, barely scene of, like, acceptance and then get a jarring, violent end and Belle's memories wiped. All that said, I, I, I do enjoy Belle's flashbacks in this episode. I, I like seeing her adventuring with Milan. I like her using her book smarts to be the hero she's, she's talked about wanting to be before. But when it comes to the storybook plot, and we've talked about it a lot already, but I don't see the writers here giving Belle the agency she deserves. Her role here ultimately is just to forgive, not understand, not actually process. It, it doesn't sit right with me. I'd rather see Rumpelstiltskin have to work for that forgiveness. Yeah, because there's really not, they set it up like it's going to be like, here's where there's the repercussions of this. And they're just, there aren't any really. No. Mm-mm. 
like Belle finds out and is just like, well, I believe there's good in him. And it's like, I okay. And I, I don't think they ever go back to this. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, and if they don't, then like, what? Like, that's all the all the comeuppance it is, is her finding out and being like, well, he's different now. And it's like, I, oh, nah, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As I, as I told you two earlier, I, I love, hate this episode. I love the flashbacks, but I hate the Storybrooke plot. Goldberg and Chambliss are horrible writers, especially when it comes to women. They do women such a gross disservice. Belle should have had that processing time, that arch before her memory got wiped. I can only hope that it gets revisited in the future because I mean, because her memory's wiped, now she doesn't even remember learning that information. But, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. I I do know Ian Goldberg will no longer write for Once Upon a Time after season two, which, mm, small silver lining. But we do have Chambliss to stomach, so, ugh. Yeah, I mean, I would say do better, but I know they're not gonna. (laughs) So, So I'll just... I'll just say that bad canon happens to good characters in this episode, and it's super infuriating because, like Regina, <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin has a lot to come back from. Yeah. And I love him. I adore him. He's like, he is my favorite character. But, I mean, I'm, I am always going to hold Avatar The Last Airbender as the paragon of what a redemption arc looks like. Oh, oh yeah. Zuko. Because of Zuko. Zuko. Right. Zuko, Zuko my boy. Here. I know. And then he's just a Crandall after that. And I love him. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it's done and, so well. And I'm like, after that show came out, there has been exactly zero excuse to me in media for lazy redemption of people just shrugging, going, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, or redemption by death. Hello, Star Wars. You know, so it's just like, you know distressed animal noises yeah yeah (laughs) i'm just like all right whatever while i was looking for tumblr posts to queue up for this episode in the upcoming weeks i've noticed that like this is part of season two where people start to like some wackadoo happened in in season two but like in that break that happened because the cricket game is kind of like where you start to see the cracks and then like from this episode kind of onward they're like what the fuck like just like a lot of inconsistencies and you know certain fans of certain characters are like what the fuck we are not like three people on an island you know i think this episode is a source of contention for a number of people I mean, it's not very well done. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> that the next one is. <laughs> well, you know what was well done in this episode? The costumes. Yes. Yes. Good segue, babe. That was an excellent segue. <laughs> um, okay, so Belle's maroon-colored adventuring outfit is iconic. It is a mixture of tapestry, suede, linen, and leather. It's very, very tight. <laughs> I do know that. Um, And I hope that this isn't the last we see of it because it is gorgeous and it needs to be featured more. I love, love, love her adventure outfit. And I'm pretty sure we we do see it again. It's it's actually one of my favorite costumes on the show. I love it so much. I fell into a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole of watching a lot of like little costume specials that they did over the years for Once Upon a Time. And Eduardo Castro said that uh, Belle was one of the best characters to actually dress, especially all her storybook outfits, because they got to have a lot of fun with her and mix and match her um, her labels, you know, like her the brands that she wore. And he did give like a special shout out to that Alexander McQueen hounds to a skirt that she wears in this episode. It is so flirty and like a sexy librarian vibe it's really just a whole lot of fun and I really like that you get hints of like a yellow slip or underskirt of it in a couple of the scenes that is like the same shade as her iconic ball gown like I thought that was a really nice nod yeah like there's the one scene where amidst Rumpelstiltskin trying to beat Hook to death (laughs) (laughs) so the breeze picks up a little and like oh yes you see just like the hint of this Mm. little yellow underskirt underneath her houndstooth skirt that is like pretty much the exact shade as like the famous bell ball gown and i hope that was an intentional nod i'm sure it was because it's real clever if it is 
that skirt was so cute honestly mm-hmm. Belle's wardrobe is often flawless although I, I do feel bad for how many extreme heels they have her in yeah because you do see the poor thing like almost twist her ankle walking into the library scene like the shoes are really cute but don't do this to her she has enough happened to her without almost constantly being a hair's breadth away from eating shit and it's yeah. always the walk to the library because the other episode was the walk to the library too so i feel it like it must have been poor ground on top of it i think it's uneven pavement it's uneven pavement yeah that's like right there like i mean you can see that pavement it, it is very uneven and like i've walked uneven pavement in big old heels it's not nice stop doing it to her yeah I have definitely eaten shit and twisted my ankle in platforms. Let's face it. We all have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So up to this point in the show, just like this is a nice little costumey fun fact, but up to this point in the show, the heaviest costume is Hook's jacket, like just the jacket. The exterior is imported Italian leather and it is lined with a quilting fabric. I know I've read how heavy it is online. I may have even like mentioned it somewhere, but it cannot be easy for Colin O'Donoghue to move in it. So snaps to him because he is a very fantastic actor. That's a good coat. It's a good coat. Nice coat. Mm-hmm. Who's that guest star? In season two, episode 10, we have Jamie Chung as Mulan. Woo-hoo. Jamie Chung was born and raised in California, the daughter of Korean parents. She studied economics at the University of California, Riverside. Her big break came in 2004 when she was working in a sports bar. MTV held auditions for the real world there. She tried out and she was successful, appearing in the San Diego-based 14th season. Chung went on to successfully launch an acting career, making her debut with a small part in Veronica Mars. Roles in other TV series followed, including Days of Our Lives, Believe, Gotham, The Gifted, Lovecraft Country, and Aquafina is Nora from Queens, in which she plays young grandma, which is like the best episode of season one. So absolutely go watch that. She also transitioned into feature films with such projects as Sorority Row, Sucker Punch, and the voice of Gogo in Big Hero 6. All right. So it's time for Once Upon a Timeline. Unlike how messy this episode was, the timeline's not that messy. Let's place these flashbacks into the episodes we've seen so far. The first flashback in this episode follows directly after the scene where Belle and Dreamy first meet in season one, episode 14, Dreamy. And the flashbacks that follow after this episode are the ones in season two, episode nine, Queen of Hearts. As that has been the first episode so far where we have seen the time Belle spent captive by the evil queen in the enchanted forest. So it's time to share and tell our new segment where each narrator shares something they're loving this week. So mine is the podcast Bombarded. I've been a listener for years, but they are reaching the climax of the current campaign, the, the only campaign so far. And it's it's been a really great ride and I'm anxiously awaiting the next episode. It's a real play D&D podcast with an all barred party. And in each episode, there's a point where they roll chord dice and write a song together, and it's it's real great and fun. I'm going to miss Chaos Sauce so much once we reach the end of their tale. Uh, mine, technically, I guess at this point, we saw it a couple weeks ago, but the segment is new, and I've been listening to the soundtrack all day. So my thing is, Encanto, it's absolutely gorgeous, and I'm obsessed. And on top of being a really beautiful story about family with a banger soundtrack, Disney gave me a buff lady, finally! I love you, Luisa Madrigal, with my whole heart, buff woman. And I really, really want to cosplay Isabella, even though I feel weird about it, even though I am Hispanic, because despite that, I am very white. My exciting point of the week, well, last week, I got to hang out with Emily Edwards, the host and creator of Fuck Boys of Literature podcast. You can listen to the first, mm, I would think two years worth of podcasts. And now she is behind a paywall because making podcasts uh, full-time is, it's very time consuming, my friends, but hey, kick in just a dollar a month and you have all access to all the bonus stuff. So it's great. The podcast is about breaking down literature and calling out the fuck boys for what they are. Team Attic Wife forever. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch. Dr. Whale is tasked with mending Hook's wounds and performing surgery on the stranger whose car crashed upon entering Storybrooke. But some of the townspeople fear that the stranger may have seen magic, 
which could expose their true identities to the world. Meanwhile, as Mr. Gould tries to reunite with a despondent Belle, Cora attempts to reunite with her daughter Regina. And in the land that was, Victor desperately wants to prove to his disapproving father that he can indeed bring back the dead. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, Storybrooke falls apart without a therapist. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at once upon rewatch. On Tumblr at once upon a rewatch If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. Our artwork for the podcast was done by Laichi Ruru. That's L-A-I-C-H-I-R-U-R-U at twitter.com. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Back in the Enchanted Floor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can we leave that in? <laughs> please, yes, please do. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>